0: Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Just like last time, I'm going to start with a story. Um, and this one occurs when I was living in Melbourne, so this is at the end of 2013. Um, and uh, me and my friends had come up with a great scheme to quit our jobs and become self-employed. Um, we were going to sell drugs uh, at nightclubs. Um, mm, how, how proud my mum would have been. Um, so, so we we live right in the middle of Melbourne, on Collins Street. So just yeah, right in the middle of, of all the most popular nightclubs in, in Melbourne. So um, we knew all the right people. Um, my flatmate was pretty computer savvy. He set us up on um something called the dark red. I'm I'm not that computer savvy, but basically you could buy anything you wanted online anonymously. No one no one could track you. Um you had to use Bitcoin, so I bought all the Bitcoin um and ordered um MDMA, which is like ecstasy from from the UK. Um and our plan was pretty simple. Uh Buy it, yeah, buy it for $50, um, sell it for $500. Um, so, yeah, no reason to consult Craig over those figures. Um, it was the, the forecast was good. Um, so, yeah, we cooked up this elaborate plan so that we wouldn't get caught. Um, and we thought it was pretty foolproof, um, which was good because we were complete fools at the time. Um, so <laughs> Uh, so shortly after that, I ordered everything, we sorted it out, and I left for Melbourne on a trip uh, to Europe. Uh, so little did I know that I wasn't going to return back the same. Um, I was coming down off, off numerous drugs, um, 35,000 feet in the air, I just, I hit rock bottom basically, and God met me in that brokenness, and um, and, yeah, and what resulted after that was just just weeks of spiritual bliss basically. I just I, I was travelling around Europe, I just felt like a new person, and I was a new person. Um, but <laughs> then I got an email, um, it was from my flatmate, and he said, the drugs have arrived, um, safe and sound, uh, they're in light-proof packaging, odour-proof, tamper-proof, he said, they're amazing, which in drug addict talk is strong, basically. Um, he said, we're going to be rich, big, big bold letters, we're going to be rich. And um, I didn't feel good. I, I felt sick. Um, I just, I had all this fear and doubt wash over me. I thought, if I go back, um, is my relationship with God, this new relationship, going to be able to handle um, all these temptations? I mean, I had enough temptations there before. Now it would be even more. Um, my flatmates, I knew they, they weren't Christian. I knew they'd be ordering these in. I knew there'd they'd be money and the drug, and I just, I, I. Yeah, I, I, I doubted basically, I, I, I doubted big time, and that's, that's probably my first vivid memory of, of doubting God, um, and it certainly wasn't the last time that I doubted God. Um, I think it's something that every Christian faces, um, so that's why when Murray asked me if I wanted to talk about doubt, I, I did, I did, because I think it's, um, it's something that we all, all face, so that's what we're talking about today, doubt. And at the moment, I'm doubting if this is going to work. We ready? Oh, yeah. Here we go. Cool. First examples, we're going to look at Genesis two sixteen and 17. So it says, this is King James Version, straight from the top. Um, <laughs> and the Lord God commanded of man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Mm. Pretty pretty straightforward, eh? That's, if you can read that. Uh, this, this is quite a big bit here. Now the serpent was more subtle, and uh, I saw versions say cunning or, or crafty, than any other beast in the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent, serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know in the day that thou eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Um. So I'm. I'm sure a few of us are familiar with this story. Um, the reason I'm sharing this is because I I think it really highlights the adversary's tactics when it comes to showing uh, when it comes to sowing doubt. Um, he's he's crafty. He cautiously and cunningly approaches Eve. He's subtle. He's not over the top. Um, and and first of all, he tries to cast doubt on God's word. And I am um, I'm a big King James fan, but I actually really like the way the NIV puts it. Um, he, uh, in the NIV it says, um, Has God really said that you shouldn't eat of every tree in the garden? And I, the way he words it, like, has God really said, as if, that's a bit petty, isn't it? Like, um, is, surely God's not that unreasonable to forbid you from eating a single uh, a single tree, would he? Like, you know, if you were my creation, I'd let you eat whatever you want kind of thing. That's kind, of the, the, that's kind of what I get out of it. Um, Satan is, is really good at trying to get us to focus on the one thing that we don't have, rather than all the things that we do have. You know They had access to all these other fruits, but he's getting them to say, "Well, but what about that one?" He's trying to single out single out something that they, yeah, that they don't have, and, and make them forget about all the stuff that they do. But in full credit to Eve, she' pretty faithfully repeats God's instruction not to eat. No, she knows what God said. So Satan, he just turns up the heat completely, um, and he just flat-out calls God a liar, basically, um, and suggests not only that, not only he's a liar, but that he's got hidden motives, um, that he doesn't want them to eat because he knows that they'll become gods like him if they do eat. So in a nutshell, he's basically questioning God's goodness. He's questioning God's character. He goes even deeper. Um... So seemingly convinced, Eve goes on to eat the fruit and convinces Adam to do the same, and by this the whole world falls into sin. So next example is found in Luke 7.19. Now this is, this is the verse before, I don't have that up there, but it says, And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or should we look for another? Um, Now, this is quite surprising to come from John the Baptist, um, and I'll give you a reason why. So John's entrance into the world was marked with angelic proclamation and divine intervention. Um, His mother was unable to have children, uh, and so when the angel Gabriel visits her son Zacharias in the temple and tells him, you're going to have a son, he doesn't believe him. Um, And for this doubt, he's actually struck dumb. He can't speak. So the whole pregnancy, he he can't speak um, until finally he he kind of overrides his family and says yes, the baby is being called John, like the angel told him to, and then he gets his he gets his voice back. Um, so we're about to read from the passage up there now. It says that this is the Bible talking about John and his calling. It says, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall neither and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to their god and he shall go before him in spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the lord quite the calling eh quite the anointing <laughs> if you were John you'd be feeling pretty stoked i mean all this is all this happened before he was even born even his name got picked out for him um, so his public ministry ends nearly four hundred years of prophetic silence. Fast forward a bit, John sees Jesus by the river, um, and he's not shy in sharing his revelation about Jesus. John one 9, reads John one twenty nine reads the next day John sees Jesus coming to him and saith, "Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world." He then baptized Jesus and witnessed the Spirit descending down like a dove upon him. Verse 34 reads, And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. So, at this point, I think it's, it's, it's pretty safe to say that John's pretty rock solid. You know, he's, he's convinced. He's convinced. He's seen it. He's seen the dove come down. He, uh, he probably heard the voice of the Lord saying, This is my Son, who I'm well pleased it's like he's had all the signs, he's had all the wonders, he's, he's had the anointing from a birth, he should be utterly convinced of who Jesus is, um, John's lifelong calling and purpose is in full swing, he's directing people towards Jesus, people are starting to follow Jesus, even John's own disciples are starting to follow him. But, 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 we fast forward a bit and John's in prison. He's He's been put there by King Herod, and King Herod is basically having an affair, and um, and he married his half-brother's wife, and John condemned him for it, so Herod threw him in prison. Um, now John's kind of having some contact with his disciples, he must have, um, but from what we read in John 3, his disciples are not exactly Jesus' greatest fans. They kind of, there. They, some of them are questioning John, saying, why are we really supporting this Jesus? He's stealing our ministry. You know, he's people are flocking to him. He, we're supposed to be baptizing people. Now his disciples are baptizing people. Um, so, yeah, these, I think that would have started some thoughts going in John's head. Um, and uh, we can kind of imagine those thoughts. It's kind of like, what if Jesus isn't the Messiah that was prophesied? Um, there'd been false messiahs before. What if Jesus was just another one of these um, what if John had led all these people astray? Um, so far, Jesus' ministry wasn't really looking like what John had expected. Um, could this imprisonment be God's judgment on John? Um, he was probably trying to desperately recall the prophecies and signs that had seemed so clear before, um, but now fear and doubt would have been clouding his mind, disrupting his thoughts. Um so based on these two examples, I, I think it's safe to say that doubt is a really serious issue. It um, usually comes as a package deal with fear. And the two of them are commonly employed by the adversary to stop Christians in their tracks. Um, no matter how close they feel to the Lord or how strong they feel their calling is. I mean, John's calling couldn't have got <laughs> his anointing and, and, and his signs couldn't have got much stronger, and yet he's doubting too. So I'll just switch to the next slide There's an, uh, an author and a minister that I really love reading His name's Matthew Henry And he, he's got this little quote He suggests that Satan first teaches men to doubt Then to deny He makes them skeptics first And so by degrees makes them atheist So it's like it's a slippery slope, doubt If left unchecked, it's like a poison or a virus It'll slowly kill our faith and doubting God's goodness and character is a real killer for believers. So, in all honesty, um, preparing the sermon is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, it lived up to its name. I, I doubt constantly flooded my mind. Is this the right topic? Um, are these the right examples? Um, am I the right person to be delivering this sermon? Should I be delivering sermons at all? Um, every, Everything... <laughs> Thank you, Anna. Thank you for the encouragement. Um, Oh, Oh, was it Nicole? Sorry. uh, Thank you. Um, But yeah, on and on and on, basically. Um, And it was actually a comment from from my beautiful wife, Juliet. This is her here. Gorgeous, eh? Stunner. She doesn't know I'm doing this, so she's going to hate me for this. (laughs) Um, She said, um, Stories and big ideas are all well and good, Um, but I wanna know practical things that I can do to help me stop doubting. Um, So that kind of snapped me out of it a little bit. I I thought, okay, so especially for Juliet and anyone else who's interested, (laughs) here are some things I believe we can learn from the above examples about dealing with doubt. So first one, when you're going through doubts, don't isolate yourself. Just as John was imprisoned, the adversary wants to separate us from the encouragement and wisdom found when we fellowship with other believers. In addition to this, we must be wise about who we share our doubts with. To truly receive God inspired encouragement and wisdom, we must engage with those who display the fruits of truly knowing Him. There is not much use seeking spiritual encouragement in the arms of someone who doesn't follow Jesus. Their opinions are more likely to cast more doubt into the mix and ultimately weaken our faith. So the next one, surrender our expectations. It's easy to doubt something when it doesn't fit into the molds that we create in our minds. In John 5.38, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees um, for their disbelief in him, in Jesus. He says, And ye have not his word, he's talking about God the Father, abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, talking about himself, ye believe not. So basically, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, If you truly embraced God's word in your hearts, you would recognize me. You would recognize me for who I was, the Son of God and you would have embraced my ministry, but because you just knew my words off the top of your head, you hadn't, they weren't in your heart, then you didn't recognize me. Because popular opinion in Jesus' day was that the Messiah was going to be like this big warrior king. He was going to be a mixture of King David, the Terminator, maybe like 10% rock Dwayne Johnson. You know, it was going to basically ride in, slay everyone, um, and it was going to be awesome. That's, that's pretty much what they thought. And I think John would have had some of this too, some of this expectation. But obviously, that's not what we read of Jesus. He was pretty stark contrast to this. He's calling for people to love their enemies, not destroy them. He was seeking to free them, but not in the way they were expecting. Um, so the next one. Come on, here we go. Build up altars of remembrance. So the Israelites often set up altars similar to the one like that not for sacrifice but to mark and remember important events so and and times when they'd seen God's faithfulness to them So a particular example of this is in Joshua chapter 4 God's just parted the River Jordan for the Israelites to cross and together they build an altar of 12 stones one for each tribe So the verse the verses read then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God had dried up the waters of Jordan from before you, until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he had dried up before us, until we had gone over. So this is Joshua speaking to the Israelites. That the people of earth might know the hand of the Lord. That is mighty, and that you might fear the Lord your God forever. So I'm not saying that we should cover our houses in religious shrines, Um, I believe that's going too far, but we need to store up memories of God's deliverance in our hearts so that we can recall them in times of doubt. Some people write journals, I know some people who write notes, they put them in a jar, they read them at the end of the year, some people keep prayer walls where they put up testimonies, little little post-its of God's deliverance, I'm saying do whatever it takes really. In doing this, we not only comfort ourselves in times of doubt, but our testimonies can also be a comfort and support to others. Um, So, big one. Know God's word, and in doing so, know his promises. So, I kept one of the best for last, really, because we're going to see here how Jesus dealt with John's doubt. Um, So, John sends his disciples to Jesus for confirmation, Jesus tells them the following in Luke seven twenty two. Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and to the poor the gospel is preached. So these are all things that John's disciples witnessed happening firsthand when they went to see Jesus, and they reported this and Jesus' words back to John. And I believe what Jesus is doing is he's reminding John of the promises that that are found in God's word about the coming Messiah, the prophecies, Isaiah thirty-five five, Isaiah thirty-five six, Isaiah sixty-one one. He's reminding them about, hey, look, this is what God's words says is going to happen when the Messiah comes. Um. So, basically, I, I mean, I couldn't really. Bring a better point. I forgot to bring up my Bible, which is probably really good. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to say I've, I've got. For those of you who want to get to know God better, closer, more intimate with Him, there's great news. He did write a book. He wrote, a, and it's non-fiction. Um, you, it's the Bible, and I'm 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 ashamed to say it took me 30 years before I started taking study of it seriously. Um, I'm not nearly as consistent as I would like to be, but it never fails to refresh me and to bring new revelations. And I just I couldn't I couldn't say more how important it is to to not just know it like the Pharisees knew it, but to have it in your heart, to to live by it. Jeremy spoke last week about integrity and that's that's I believe that's so important, just yeah. As a as a parting note to that to that section. And then Finally, just as John did, take your doubts straight to Jesus. So I think Eve's first mistake is that she gave Satan the time of day. She entered into discussion with him. It's like Jesus didn't have discussions with Satan. He told him how it was, and then he told him to jog on. It was just, it was one step. <laughs> it was, there's no point in listening to what Satan has to say. Um. The Bible says in John 8.44 that he's got no truth in him. He's the father of lies. So, so if you're after the truth, his opinion is void. There's, there's no point. It's a dead end. So when, yeah, so when Jesus, just as a note, has sent John's disciples away, he says something remarkable about John. He turns around and says, For I say unto you, among those that are born of woman... There is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. This is right after John has just questioned who Jesus is. But then he follows up with this. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So I think Jesus was reminding everyone there that John the Baptist is human. He's susceptible to these doubts. He's he's like everybody else in that regard. No matter how great of a prophet he is. He's like everybody else. When it comes to fear and doubt, it can get him. Um, I've got a quote here from the author John Bloom. I've kind of paraphrased it a touch. Um, Even the greatest, strongest saints experience deep darkness. None of us are spared sorrow or satanic oppression. Most of us will experience seasons when we feel as if we've been abandoned. But Jesus, our Savior, does not break the bruised reed. He hears our pleas for help and is patient with our doubts. He does not condemn us. He has paid completely for any sin that is exposed in our pain. He does not always answer with the speed we desire, nor is his answer always the deliverance we hoped for, but he will always send the help that is needed. His grace will always be sufficient for those who trust him. So, sorry. (laughs) So just, I've got a note here. Talk about faith in Jesus. Dot dot dot. I couldn't know what to write, so here we go. I'm winging it a little bit. Um, we we have spoken a lot about doubt, but I just want to quickly touch on faith in Jesus. So just as doubt brings about all can, can bring about all this death and suffering and and uh, and uh, yeah, all that horrible stuff. Faith in Jesus brings about the opposite, life life in abundance, life eternal. So if anybody wants to have a talk about that afterwards, if anybody's interested in what believing in Jesus is, what it looks like, then please come to the front. There'll be lots of very qualified people that can have a talk to you and, and yeah, explain that further. I just thought I'd throw that out there. So in closing, I thought I'd finish off with the part two of my story. Are you with me? You want to hear it? Yeah. Can I get an amen? Yeah. i always wanted to do that. <laughs> right, yes, that's, that's bucket list stuff. Checked off. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, so just a, a disclaimer. A disclaimer. I've, I've, I've been a Christian, I had been a Christian for a matter of weeks. It may as well have been five minutes. And I was already fearful and doubting. So God's response had nothing to do with who I was and everything to do with who he is. I just wanted to put that out there. So, um, My response was probably quite similar to John's, really. I, I, all I knew how to do was to pray. Um, and so looking back, I, I believe that was everything I could have done. Um, so I remember I was on the bathroom floor of my friend's um, apartment in Chelsea, London. And I was pleading with God um, to help me with the situation. I didn't, um, I didn't, yeah, like I said, I was doubting, I was fearful. I didn't have much hope that, that I, our relationship would be able to last when I got back to Melbourne. Um, I want to say it was probably the next day, um, but I think it might have been the day after, I, don't, I can't remember. Um, I hopped onto a classic kind of London double-decker bus, um, and I went straight to the best seat, which as everyone knows is up the top. At the front. Best seat. (laughs) You said it the other day, yeah. Absolutely best seat. So I sat down, normally it's taken, but it wasn't this time. I sat down and I noticed that there was a newspaper beside me. Um, So I picked it up, um, I started reading, and here was this full page article about Dread Pirate Roberts. So his real name is Ross Ulbrich. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. He's basically the guy who started Silk Road, which was this anonymous online drugstore that we'd ordered off. Um, so after three years of hunting him, the police had just arrested him in a San Francisco public library and shut his whole website down. So, to me, I I still think about that moment from time to time. Um, and this is the first time I've actually talked about it. Um, Not even Juliet knew about it until she read my sermon last night. just a, just a handful of close friends, really. I, I shied away from sharing it because I thought that people would think I was crazy or that, that I was trying to sound important. And I'm sure God was answering a lot of people's prayers when he shut down that website. But for me, you know, seasons of doubt and trouble can lead to great victories. Um, and in sharing God's victories in our life... Uh, sharing these altars of remembrance we give glory to him through that so that's what I wanted to do with that story I wanted to give glory to God because he I believe he did that like I said he was answering my prayers and probably a whole lot of people's prayers but he did that just like that he shut that guy down so in closing I just wanted to leave you guys with a question what altars of remembrance do you have to draw on in times of trouble so let's pray Heavenly Father, like the man in Mark 9, we believe, Lord. I'm talking about all of us here, but also all the people listening on the podcast, Lord, but, but please help us with our unbelief. We want to trust you wholeheartedly, um, but at times we find ourselves doubting, and we're sorry for that. We ask that you'd guard our hearts and minds from the power and persuasion of Satan, from the fear and doubt that can so often consume our thoughts clad us daily in your spiritual armour and may we not drop our shields of faith. Keep us in close fellowship with one another and please prompt us with your Holy Spirit if there is anyone around us that needs encouragement and wisdom. May we hunger for your word and the application of it in our lives. All for your glory and the expansion of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com